Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Noise, the podcast series from Peer Week. I'm Frankie Oliver, your host and founder of New Society, and today I am joined by Editor-in-Chief Danny Rogers. Hi, Frankie. And we have two very special guests with us, Nicola Green, Virgin Media O2's Chief Communications and Corporate Affairs Officer. Hello, Nicola. Hi, how are you? Very good, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And Sophie Timms, Corporate Affairs Director at the Keir Group. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Frankie, and thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much, obviously, for joining us today. Honestly, it's a real honour to have two such experienced and accomplished in-house professionals with us today. We're really looking forward to learning more about your roles, how they have been affected over these last few really quite extraordinary years, and and even how those roles have changed in uh, the last decade. We'd also love to learn about your views on the communications industry and the challenges and great opportunities that you've got coming up and what you really want from uh, the industry and your agency partners over the coming years. So first to you, Nicola. Can you tell us a bit about what really looks like a very big role at Virgin Media O2 and really how how your role has has been affected over the last couple of years? Well, I suppose it has been affected quite a lot in the fact that we brought two organisations together during the pandemic. So we worked on that deal during the pandemic, which was just a phenomenal thing to do. But I've had to therefore integrate two very strong teams into one function. Um, And that really began on day one of the joint venture. We've been going for just over a year now. But I've had to consider lots of different things from the needs of both brands, because we still have both brands running at the moment. All of our business functions, our commitment to ESG and aligning that and basically evolving the skills requirements for corporate affairs functions. So I'm just noticing a real big trend in how far and more data led and tech led we need to be. And I, I totally think that's the right thing for us as corporate affairs and communication people to do. But I think our function has also become increasingly relied upon. Um, As you would imagine, um, 
you know, the Exco does rely on us for an awful lot and making sure that we're taking the external and internal temperature from the organization and make sure we make the right decisions. So a lot of big change for me over the last year and a half. Um, and I think it just really is about establishing the corporate affairs role on the executive team at this moment in time, which is just so important. Um, because I came in and they didn't have a corporate affairs director on the Exco of Virgin Media. Um, and it was a Virgin Media CEO who took over Virgin Media 02. So interesting opportunity for me. Can I ask a, a fairly basic question? And I should know this really, but I don't. What actually is the definition? What's the difference between corporate affairs and director of communications? How are they different? Um, I mean, I, I'll answer this and then Sophie, you may want to um, get involved as well. But I think as a comms director, I think I was personally required to be very reputation focused, which is still incredibly important. But I think the corporate affairs director role is much, much broader. And I've, if I had to kind of sum it up into one sentence, I would say I'm now expected to contribute to our strategy, not just critique it. And so that's the kind of difference. I'm involved in absolutely every decision that is happening within the organization and also meant to come up and have a point of view on that as well. And, and that to me was the biggest step change I had when I went from a comms director into a corporate affairs director with a role on the Exco. Very interesting. I think that's one of the best descriptions I've heard of. Uh, so it's really about strategic input is the, is the big difference between the two job functions. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I had to almost retrain a little bit as well from getting out of my communication silo and having a much broader outlook um, and understanding financials, understanding strategies, how you put them together, which I, you know, I'm not saying that I didn't know that as a comms director, but giving me the confidence to be able to speak up in those meetings was really important. And that's something that I actually went back to the drawing board and looked at what I needed to do to improve myself to make sure I was a value, gave a valued contributor to the EC conversations. And Nicola, was that because your role was also moving into a board role, not just into a corporate affairs as well as communications role? Yeah, I think it was. I think being on that EC, there's nothing worse than just being the trophy comms person in the corner that doesn't really say something unless it's a communications issue. I think for me, I I wanted to be an absolutely key member of that EC team. Um, so that's where I wanted to make sure I had that step change and could bring that to life a little bit more as well. Sophie, so it'd be great to hear a bit more about your, your role as well and, and how your role has been affected over the last couple of years. Sure. So um, for my part, I've only done the corporate affairs role, really, uh, not the comms director part. So uh, I came up the public affairs route um, before taking on comms and then sustainability and diversity and inclusion. And what I would say is there isn't one strict definition to, to Danny's question. Uh, it really does vary organisation to organisation. So um, I have had responsibility for internal and external comms, public affairs. I now also have marketing and customer, but I don't have investor relations. And that isn't the same in every single company. And what have been the biggest challenges really for you over the last couple of years, would you say? So personally, I moved roles and sectors during the pandemic. Um, so I went from financial services to construction and infrastructure. Um, but also um, for me, the 24-hour seven days a week, um, rolling news and rolling crises, I think it's fair to say. Um, I mean, if you look back at the last couple of months, um, in fact, with my public affairs experience, 
people often ask me to write briefings about what is happening politically. Uh, you tear them up day by day at the moment, it seems. So it is just keeping um, control of the emerging agenda as well as you are you are there in that role to set the future direction and some strategy around sustainability and and around things like digital, as Nicola mentioned. Um, so you have to be able to be tactical, reactive, as well as proactive, long term, strategic. Can I can I ask? Um, because again, I've been editor in chief of PR Week a long time, and there's always been talk about the news agenda speeding up and twenty four seven news. Has it really been a big step change in the last two years in, in terms of the, the pace of the news agenda? I think so, yes. I think, you know, the, the, the thirst for breaking news, the thirst for breaking opinion uh, moves so much faster than it used to do. And actually, the audience has changed. So certainly if I think about the public affairs side, it used to be slightly niche or slightly for the geeks. Um, but it's become a lot more mainstream. Uh, and, and you can see that as we ride the political roller coaster that we're on now. And it does make it harder to predict outcomes and the impact it will have on the business. So I, I, I personally see it as much more challenging as it used to be. And Nicola, would you agree? Yeah, I, I would agree. I do think um, the news agenda seems to, I mean, we've never had this amount of uncertainty. I think we've kind of in the past been had a quite a stable kind of economic kind of outlook. You know, we, we've had a very stable government um, and that changes, as we've seen very, very quickly over the past couple of months and, and the past year or so. So I definitely do. And I think there's there is a real appetite from from myself, from shareholders and from our EC members of exactly what is going on. How should we react? Should we react on everything or should we stay quiet? So it is that always on, I do think is increasing even more. So does this newfound pace and uncertainty add to the importance and the credibility of the chief comms officer and or does it make the job unbearably stressful? Does it make it actually very difficult to to perform the role? Well, if you want a sedate career, you don't have to where well, you don't have to bother taking your work phone with you on a night out. Then definitely corporate affairs and comms director roles are not for you. I would say that uh, absolutely. Um, so I, I do think that there, you know, you need to be uh, mindful that because it's now an elevated role um you had and you have so many stakeholder groups that everyone comes to you for an opinion in very very short short succession um that means it is always on and you always have to be able to have a, a view on whether it's politics economics tech tech developments legal requirements the environment um being able to flex, I think, and I've said this already, is absolutely critical to the job. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that as well. I think um, it is, it isn't a job. I always say it's not a job that you can leave in the office and not take home with you. I mean, how many times as a it always happens when you're entertaining people, have them over for dinner. That's when the call comes in that you've got to jump on something or deal with something. Always the way, which is never helpful. But look, that's what makes it exciting in some ways. And I think if we weren't crucial to the organisation, we wouldn't be involved in those conversations. So we can't have it both ways. So looking ahead, I mean, it's quite hard to predict exactly what is ahead of us, um, given uh, the amount of turmoil that we've just been through. And we really don't 
have a sense of any stability ahead of us quite yet. You know, how are you feeling about the future? What do you think are the kind of big challenges and, and also the most exciting opportunities for you? Nicola first. Um, I presume we're talking about government, are we, in the political uncertainty? Well, we have a war, we have a cost of living crisis, we have instability. Well, we're hoping some stability now within the government. So how are you feeling about that outlook and what that means for you and your role in the business? I mean, I think from my perspective, I'm positive. I was positive about hearing Rishi speak today. I think we do need stability. Um, I think for in my industry, we've been quite lucky in that the last two two prime ministers have been very different views, had very different views on the economy. Um, but actually, they totally agreed on the support of rolling out infrastructure and communications, whether that's 5G and broadband. So I'm actually quite positive that we will get the outcomes we want. I think the cost of living crisis is a really interesting one. And we need to stay real to that. And we need to make sure that we're understanding it and understanding how our consumers are feeling. And I think we've done some great things like not reintroducing data roaming in Europe and providing social broadband to really help customers in this time of need, because we believe that if we help them now, they will stay longer with us. Um, and when the economy does pick up, but also our people. And I think more than ever, looking after our people internally is really, really important. And we're doing some things around the cost of living with supporting our people who on perhaps aren't on a big salary to give them extra money to help them in this difficult time. So, yes, I think um, I actually feel more comfortable at this moment in time um, from a political perspective. I think we do need our constant eye on how consumers are feeling. And more importantly, I think, is how our people are feeling, um, because I think you know, we underestimate sometimes that our people can just deal with this, but they are having the cost of living crisis just like everybody else at this moment in time. So being aware of that and making sure that we can help them through this time is really, really important. And then looking forward to the most exciting opportunities, and obviously it's two giant companies have, have come together. What can we expect to see from this merger? I think we will see that we want to roll out infrastructure right across the country. Virgin Media is only in half the country at the moment. So we want to be a, a key competitor um, in this market. And I think what we want to do is, is do communications and deliver communications with a human touch. And I think, you know, our customer service hasn't been great in the past, certainly on our fixed side of our business. And we're going to be doing an awful lot to help improve that, help us get back on track because we realize just how important important communications is in everyday lives for everybody, um, whether that's keeping in touch with your friends and families or um, whether that's actually helping you get a job and getting online. So we're doing a lot to kind of help give the human touch to communications and, and roll it out right across the country. Thank you. And so, Sophie, to you, big, biggest challenges ahead? I mean, there's quite a lot on a policy perspective that I think is probably possibly keeping you awake at night. Yeah, so that there is. But I firmly believe that everything is cyclical. Um, we do have multiple challenges ahead, politically, economically, socially, but nothing ever stands still. And I think the one thing that we can all learn from the pandemic is to just keep expecting the unexpected. So um, what would, I don't think it's unique to the UK that, you know, if we, look, we, we do tend to be quite introspective and uh, we've got a lot of challenges on our plate. We have done for the last, you know, two years, especially in the last two months. Uh, but everybody's experiencing the same. Uh, in terms of Kia, who I work for, you know, we 
try and look at it as an opportunity as well, because there has been a big commitment from the government in terms of using infrastructure and construction to really support um, economic growth, to support levelling up or whatever levelling up turns into next. Absolutely. And looking specifically around your sustainability strategy and the um, changes in government policy around the investment zones, were you involved in that at all? Did you have a, a view in terms of the sort of outrage that's come from certain parties like WWF and RSPB about those investment zones and what that will actually do for nature in the country? Uh, Not directly, no, but I do think it's really, really vital that any policy that's around sustainability involves multiple stakeholder groups, whether that's at the macro level or the micro level. And I think it's very, very important, um, actually, on the whole ESG agenda that people are really, really thinking through um, the the data and the uh, implications of every decision being made. ESG is huge. And people are on the lookout for greenwashing and testing the robustness of the data, the research that's gone into it, and to ensure that it stands up to to scrutiny. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I think there is a lack of authenticity around the sustainability agenda in some parts. And it's really important, particularly for corporate affairs directors and comms directors, to really, really test their understanding of what it means and the scale of the challenge ahead. Can I ask on the whole ESG discussion, I mean, this was a term that most of us hadn't really heard of going back three years. And the last couple of years, the whole conversation around the comms sector has been dominated by ESG. Where are we at with that particular conversation? Do you feel there's some uh, fatigue coming in, particularly with the cost of living crisis, are companies starting to say ESG is more of a, we've got that now, now we need to refocus on our priorities, which are shareholder value, or is it, does it continue to be um, a hot topic? I think if I look to, if I look back three, four years ago, uh, it was a harder conversation to have then, actually. I think we were in a totally different space where if you were talking to investors, they were vaguely interested in it. Now now they are really interested in it. And uh, I think it's a, a huge opportunity. What I think, though, we need to be really, really clear about is the the end game. And we've seen a lot of high-level targets being set without really understanding how to get there. So certainly what we're focused on is is scope three 
um, in terms of the environment side of that. I think the actual term ESG itself is slightly off-putting, and I think that's why people um, have a different uh, name for it wherever you happen to be. But it's really, really important that we drive targets down through the value chain. Certainly um, for, for Keir, as a major government supplier, um, we can't even tender for work unless we are coming up with our, within our tenders uh, in terms of what we're going to deliver um, in our projects to, to meet net zero targets. So it's it's an absolute license to do business for us. What about you, Nicola? Do you do you agree on the ESG thing? It's become a bit of a, a less than useful term. I think, I mean, I don't think it's less than useful. I think it does give you a, something to kind of make sure that you're doing the right thing, which is how we kind of describe it within Virgin Media 2. I think where communicators need to really focus in on is to keep the business on track with all of it. It's so easy, I think, when we're facing a recession, facing cost of living crisis, not enough money kind of coming in potentially into your organization, that this is one of the areas that just gets forgotten. And I think we need to make sure that we don't do that. I think we all have a responsibility to continue to kind of invest and put focus on it. I think, you know, we're absolutely right that you know, if you want to get green money or green bonds, you need to be absolutely making sure you're you have very, very good credentials in this space. And I also think this is this is the time where you'll see true organizations really stepping up in this space and investing in it during these difficult times. And one area that we're looking at is all around connecting kind of communities. And we knew, we saw through COVID that there was a massive digital divide and some people did not have the luxury of getting online to do schoolwork and and to get in touch with their kind of friends and family. And we are giving, trying to give devices into the hands of people that really need it, but also giving them data so that they can get online as well. And we've, we did lots of big activity last week, actually, on it. And I spent some time in East London and just recognised just how many people see it as a real luxury to be able to get online and have that access in their own homes. And how does one measure a, a campaign such as that? Do you measure the effectiveness? Do you report how many people you're getting online who weren't previously able to? Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. And, and we have um, ambitions to connect a million people um, who were digitally excluded across the UK by the end of 2025. Um, so we've got big ambitions in this space. And also on the data bank side, it's really important to um, make sure that we could give people access to data. And we have actually worked with our competitors. So the likes of Vodafone have come on board with us on that as well. And I think that's where you see the benefit when actually when you're doing good, you don't have to do it just for yourself. You can come together with your competitors and do something good that everybody can benefit from. And I think that's what we're trying to get to in our community, as connecting communities um, pillar of part of our ESG plan. And in terms of ESG, it's very interesting. I often talk about the fact that it has a very sort of dehumanized and quite investor frame, as it were. And we are obviously just about to go back, you know, into COP27. Is the climate crisis for you something that is up there alongside the cost of living crisis? I mean, I think this time last year, as we were going into COP26, it was definitely seen to be something that everybody was really pulling together to deliver against their strategies. Is it still up there as a key concern, would you say, alongside all of these other issues? I think it is up there. 
Um, I think it is also really, really important. The, the problem we have, or I think we have, not just our industry, but everybody talking about this is people can't see it as tangibly as a cost of living crisis. So every time, you know, we get a heat wave or there's some climate disaster somewhere across the world, it's really important to bring that to life for people and to for them to understand the reasons of why we need to make sure we've got a zero carbon future. Because without that, it's pretty intangible for people to understand it. Whereas a cost of living crisis, when you're sat and you can't pay your energy bills and you can't, you know, feed your kids, the reality is right there in front of you. So we need to make sure we absolutely get it talked about and have a constant agenda in the space in order to really drive the benefits that all of us will see and our grandchildren and our children will all see as well if we all pull together. Music to my ears and, and the role that you you play as an institution in helping your employees understand that as well is, is so critical, isn't it? Sophie? Yeah, it comes back to, I think, um, that need to be responsive in the short term to what's happening and unfolding in front of you while keeping your eye on a much longer term ball. Um, and that is the essence of what this role is here to do, actually. Interesting. That's a whole subject we could get into, I'm sure, about the alignment of those two issues. So looking forward in terms of what you are looking for from the communications industry and and also your agency partners, what, what would you say kind of possibly sits at the top of that in terms of your maybe top three. Nicola? So I've, I've had an interesting job where I've had to consolidate the roster agency across O2 and Virgin Media, Media O2 over the last year. I think for me, what I want from my agency is to give me the outside in sometimes when I'm so focused. We say we have an outside in role, but you're sometimes so focused on everything that's going on in your organization Sometimes you need almost those extra eyes of looking and going, do you know what you should be in this space or you should be doing X, Y and Z? Um, and I think it's all about amplification then. So making sure that if we've got a good idea, we amplify it. And that's kind of what I'm asking for in our agencies. I actually see them all as part of one team. I don't make the you know, they're not either in-house and they're our agency support. I try and bring them in as close as close to the organization as I possibly can to make sure we're getting the best out of them. But it is the, that extra eyes. What's going on that we should be involved in? What haven't we thought of internally? Mainly because we've been so focused on delivering what we've got to deliver. And I think that's to me is a really important role that they can play. That's fantastic, Nicola. Are you creating the space for that to happen? Because so often agencies are responding to a specific brief or an objective, but it sounds like you're really welcoming in that outside in consultancy. Is, is there a process that you have around that? I mean, the process isn't that complicated in the fact that um, once, a, once a month, I kind of pull all the agencies together. So we don't do it individually. We do it all together. We all sit in one room. I give a bit of a state of the nation of what's going on, um, forward thinking within the organization. And then I ask them to almost do the same as well. And from that, we pull out actions on areas that we should be focusing on in order to improve the communications that we're doing or things that we may not have um, thought about. They get on a list of actions and then we carry on and do it. So this is outside of the regular coming in of briefs that are going to agencies. This is an opportunity to step back both sides or every agency and also myself give a bit of a view about where we're going to make sure that we've got an alignment and if there are things we're missing that we can get onto them as quickly as possible. 
So Sophie, for you, what are you really looking for from the comms industry to really help you achieve, you know, your 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 objectives? Um, and what are you really looking for from your agency partners? So I definitely think there is still a role for agencies, particularly when budgets are squeezed, labour market is pressured, and we don't have sprawling comms or corporate affairs teams in-house. Um, but they have to complement that in-house team rather than replace it. Um, so it's um, very difficult sometimes, I think, for an agency to get really under the skin of a business from the outside. So as Nicola said, it's vital that they give you the outside in. But a company's micro-politics is very, very hard to, to um, really get your head around if you're not in that business. Um, so for, for, me, for, for, for my part, what I need from the industry, from agencies, is giving me the extra dimension and skill that doesn't exist in-house. Nicola, can I just ask, we've talked, you and I, for many years about whether or not the C-suite is taking comms more seriously. I like to think it is. What is the single thing that you notice that proves that organisations are taking comms more seriously? Oh, very good question. I think I think as an organization, there's simply nowhere to hide anymore. And organizations kind of know that. So as the world kind of does become more transparent, therefore, the expectations of corporate organizations is heightened. Therefore, we have to be on the board table. And I think we see, I'm seeing a lot more people um, being of corporate affairs directors being on that C-suite, which I think is so important. And I think just over the crises that we've had with COVID and cost of living and everything that's happening, it is even more important that this role is taken seriously. And I think organisations know it. So that brings us to the end of this week's conversation. Huge thanks to both Nicola and Sophie for joining us. I'm sure we've all found that an incredibly insightful session. So thank you to you both. Thank Thank you. you for having us. So now it's time for Top and Flop. Danny, please do reveal this week's winners. Well, the top for the past fortnight, and I'd love your view on this, Frankie. Just Stop Oil is the view of the PR Week editorial team. And I'm really quite surprised by that, which is amazing. Well, I think on the basis that nobody had really heard of Just Stop Oil, we hadn't heard of Just Stop Oil until the past week or so, They've done a number of high-profile stunts. They certainly grabbed the headlines, if that's the role of a campaigning organisation. But I'd be interested to know from you whether you feel that's effective as part of the environmental movement. Well, activism definitely has a role to play. And Just Stop Oil started in February of this year, and they've already achieved so much. And they are definitely grabbing the headlines. And that's their strategy, because... Right now, the climate crisis is really not up there in terms of a strong mandate for action. And if we don't have it constantly talked about and in the media, there is real concern that this is going to come off the agenda in terms of something that's going to need to be addressed quickly and urgently. Whether it then translates into action from government, action from business, I think... I think it's a case of not seeing it as, you know, we must only have activism and that's the thing that's going to deliver. Activism, I think, is important, but it, you know, Extinction Rebellion at its height only mobilised 0.3% of the population. And we know from research, we need at least three and a half, if not 10% of the population campaigning to deliver good policy outcomes. So I think it's definitely kept the conversation going. I think there was so much around the Van Gogh 
flowers that delivered a huge conversation. Slightly questionable on whether we should apply to Prince Charles. I'm sorry, King Charles, I should say. I'm not I'm not so sure whether whether that was the right that could be the flop. Yeah, that could be the flop. So so I you know, and I think research today from The Guardian showed that over 60% of the public were in support of Just Stop Oil and their actions because they are really concerned about the climate crisis. So what's the flop? So the flop this week will surprise few people. It's uh, Mr. Kanye West, who um, has made a series of apparently anti-Semitic tweets and utterances over the past week. This has led to outcry, him being banned from Twitter and uh, also being dropped by some big brands, Balenciaga and I think today Adidas as well, which is going to cost... Adidas, a couple of billion, and and Kanye West, quite a lot of money as well, these uh, very lucrative sponsorship deals. So one wonders how such a high-profile celebrity can destroy their brand so quickly. Is there not a management company or a social media team that stops nonsense tweets going out? I suppose it's so hard, isn't it? I mean, this is a man that that long ago was saying that he was going to run for president, right? So... He's got a phone. He's got a Twitter handle. There's very little sometimes that communications consultants can do to to intercept that, and and that's the responsibility that he has for his own brand, right? Yes. Sadly, it's a flop for people like Adidas as well because they've got this uh, Yeezy brand, which is now looks fairly worthless, and it's going to cost them a lot of money. So, uh, a communications faux pas on everybody's part. So that brings us to the end of this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it and we look forward to you joining us next time. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.